Welcome to Third Space, the podcast that aims to fill the yawning gap between the Christian church and secular culture. In particular, this global crisis that we find ourselves in and all the implications we find for living in wartime. I'm David Robertson. And I'm Steve McAlpine. And in this episode, we're taking a look at politics in wartime. We shall defend our island, whatever the cost may be. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender! Well, you've just heard one of the most famous speeches about war. Well, actually, you've heard a version of it from a movie in The Darkest Hour. Gary Oldman is uh, uh, speaking uh, or spiking up Church Churchill's delivery, Winston Churchill's delivery about this great speech about how we're going to fight the Nazis on the beaches and everywhere we fight. And when there's a great speech, it has to be said in a stirring way because we live our politics so deeply. Uh, it's the high point of uh, the speech is when he raises his hand and raises his voice. High points in politics always come in the midst of low points in politics. And this past week, we've seen, I guess, the end of a journey where that very same Churchill, his statue in London, was defaced and graffitied during a Black, Black Lives Matter protest as he was labelled a racist. So if a week's a long time in politics, then seven decades is an eternity. And COVID-19 gave us the sense of a unity in our politics, and we looked at that last week, and we'll continue to look at some of that. Uh, and that the unity seems to have fractured politically and socially. In, in fact, we simply got a reprieve politically during lockdown. Uh, what's your thoughts on that, Dave? I think that's partially true. By the way, I love the way that you pronounce Nazis because it sounds like nasties, which I think is a that would that would work so much better in in today's political discourse, you know, um, yeah. because the word Nazi gets used so much, people have no idea what it means. If basically, if you dis if you disagree with me, you're a Nazi. Um, but I think that in the United States and to a lesser extent in the United Kingdom, the, the fracturing was still there. I think here in Australia, we saw a level of unity I was quite surprised at, with a few strains at the edges. Um, but I think political disunity, if you like, is coming back. Um, I Maybe I'm wrong about that, though. So let me ask you this, Steve. What's with our politics in the West at the moment? Well, I guess in one sense that... Um that Gary Oldman speech summed it up for me, that it feels like everything has to be heightened uh, beyond what reality is. So everyone goes to the wall on every issue all of the time and totalises their perspective on it and totalises the opposition's perspective. And so there's this distancing in politics, which is pushing people harder in uh, either left and right directions, I think. And I do agree with you, though, that in Australia recently, uh, it was pretty good. There was a great article in uh, the Melbourne uh, newspaper, The Age, uh, just recently that unpacked how uh, the federal government and the state governments came together and they've uh, got a new national sort of uh, a government that works under the level of the of the federal government with all of the different state leaders. And I think that's been a great thing and I want to see it keep happening. And I think our leaders want to see it keep happening. But the narrative of politics in the West is 
much more polarized and polarizing. And something uh, that we've seen in the last week is that it seems that the, there's a huge chasm with a lot of people in the middle watching these shots being fired over across the top. And uh, that's, the, that's the issue for me, that Gary Oldman spices up that Winston Churchill talk because that's what politics is like today. Yeah, I, th I think so. But I, but I think there's another thing. I mean, I have a very simple solution. I think all politicians should stay off Twitter forever, or at least until they get out of office. What about all ministers? Yeah. <laughs> well, no ministers. Well, we because we're saintly and we don't disagree. And you know, but it's just it's it's this idea that you reduce a complex political narrative into you know 140 characters or 220 characters or whatever it is. But how, this is what really puzzles me. How did we get to the stage that Churchill, the great defender of freedom, who is, you know, people saying they're anti-fascists and complaining about fascism. And the, the person, the one person who probably did more than anyone, maybe uh, than Stalin, and he was a different kind of fascist. How do we get to the stage where Churchill's statue is defaced? Explain it to me, Steve. Well, that's interesting. Uh, as I saw that, I was sad because it says if people don't know history, they don't know what was at stake in the late 30s and early 40s in um, in the world. The fact that uh, Adolf Hitler made it as uh, Man of the Year on Time magazine in 1938 <laughs> says uh, someone saw him coming from a different perspective than what Time magazine journalists did, that's for sure. Uh, but I, I think it's because people don't know the history and they also read uh, back uh, anachronistically into how people behaved. There'll be, in 50 years' time, people will look back at the most uh, progressive uh, thinkers of our time and blush at some of the things they said uh, because they're so outrageously, mm -hmm. you know, uh, bad. So I think there's that problem. Uh, people just don't know what was at stake back then. But also, in one sense, it's, uh, and this is the great irony to me, no one's allowed complexity anymore. Someone uh, was recently saying to me, uh, on Facebook, uh, which I'm going to get off at some stage, uh, is that uh, we've got to leave room for complexity. Yeah, on my issues, but everyone else is everyone else is simple. I'm complex, and I've got nuanced reasons for things. Everyone is simple. Everyone else, and that's how we've operated with this kind of thing. No one sees the complexity of history, the complexity of people, and the flawed character of people. You've either got to be a sinner fully or a saint yeah and that no one is that and salts and itson's right about the uh the fault line uh you know of the good and evil running down every human heart yeah i, I mean i think that's where the christian theology really helps us as well as we're trying to work through things people all people are complex and all of us are sinners and all of us are also made in the image of god um and it's interesting about churchill because yeah, Churchill was the MP for my city, Dundee, and he was—he got thrown out because people thought he was a bit of a snob and a bit of a racist uh, by a teetotal Christian socialist. So uh, it really—I mean, that, I find that quite remarkable. Things are always, always more complex than we realize, and this attempt to simplify politics in this way to basically name-calling an emotion does real problems. But I think there's another problem as well, and it's this. If you remove God from the equation and you remove the church from the equation in, in the sense of a church that actually worships God as opposed to just being a political subset, then you find that 
politics becomes God. Um, is that partly what's behind the heat in politics on the left and right? Oh, yeah, without a doubt. If you think of politics coming from the polis, the, the city, <laughs> the whole idea of um, the city in the Christian framework was that there was a secular and a sacred uh, cohort in, in, in how life was done. And uh, secular didn't mean that there was no God. It was just the place where life happened. And it was the, the, non, the non-cloisters. And when you have those two things holding each other in tension, they're like a great two great planets that revolve around each other. But when you take the sacred out of life, uh, what happens to the secular? It has to totalize and make up for what was lacking. And it sort of spins off uh, into outer space somewhere else because it's not being held by the gravity of the, of the, the sacred. And so uh, the secular will always try to overreach itself and especially in the political realm, because it is the highest point and it's the only place that change can apparently happen. And you see that with politicians who are hard on left and right issues, that politics is going to be the solution and their politics in particular. And, you know, it, that's what we're even hearing in the coming uh, up elections in the US. Do we really think that any of those things, uh, whoever, whether it's Trump again or whether it's Joe Biden, anything is going to change at a deep level uh, given that it hasn't changed so far. Do we really think that? No, we don't. And in fact, I'm reminded again of another song, one of my favorite songs, The Who's uh, Won't Get Fooled Again. Meet the new boss, same as the old boss. And I think that's because human nature doesn't change. So as Christians, I think we we honor politicians and we realize politics is an honorable profession. And we don't assume that all politicians are automatically always lying. And I think that's a far too cynical a viewpoint. But there's another danger I think the church falls into, and that is that um, I, I think we become quite politicized in different things. I mean, I was just in, in the recent Ferrari about different things. I wrote to a pastor and suggested to him that it wasn't a good idea for him to take a, a particular political stance in such a heated cir- way and heated circumstances, and he would alienate people. I mean, was I wrong? Is the church supposed to be political? How is it political? I'm political. I have political views. I don't ex- feel strange about expressing them, but I I would not express political views from the pulpit. Or is that is that just too simplistic? Well, you're talking to a guy who grew up in Northern Ireland, whose parents were part of the uh, Ian Paisley, the former Chief Minister of Northern Ireland, um, First Minister of Northern Ireland, uh, Ian Paisley's church. And uh, so they got out of Northern Ireland and out of that church uh, because of politics in the church and religion. So you've seen it go bad. Uh, but I was schooled this week on both uh, by both by Christians on both sides of the political spectrum for not being, you know, kosher. A hard right person and then a bunch of people who are more left persuasion schooled me on not thinking right. And I'm going, wow, is there... I feel honoured. I feel like somehow the church is supposed to be an alternate polis, an alternate city to what's going on in the culture. So there are things from both sides that it can affirm and there are things in both political extremes it has to deny. It has to deny um, extreme tribalism that's racist or uh, reconstructing some sort of a mythical West that didn't exist, and it has to deny identity politics, which is going to take it down a rabbit hole that doesn't look like the gospel. And the great irony is that both those extremes will demonize people in a way that the church as a political structure will not, because the church says, first examine yourself and then look at others. Politics doesn't seem to do that. The church is a safe space for that to happen, I think. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I was the congregation I was part of. Um, I, I was I was very, very proud that there were people who were conservative, people who were socialist, people who were liberal, people who were national nationalist, people who were uh, cynical. I, I think, yes, we speak into politics, but we don't allow ourselves to be tribalized by politics. So, Steve, I'm going to ask you the the big question this i think particularly for those in the church is politics box office poison for the church uh yeah good question look some things politically have been um good to to lean into uh you should pray for your politicians of either stripe uh because the bible tells us to do that uh but also because that you want to have an honoring of your politicians i i i uh feel frustrated i think when nothing good is ever said about any politician in a church setting where everyone is bagged out. That's not the way to behave. And we've seen churches do good things politically. And you think back to uh, Martin Luther King Jr. and the way that some churches are very slow off the bat to even support him and some are very against him and they would hang their heads in shame now. Um, but the current secular expression of politics demands a totalizing uh, allegiance to it that I think the church has to push away from. Once you start to have this... Uh, sacred secular divide where politics becomes the god of the secular uh then it's pitted against uh, the one true god who's king and some of the things in one side of politics we can take on some of the things in another side uh, just as uh joshua you know they they approached the man who approached uh, joshua the angel of the lord and he said are you on our side or you're not on our side or whose side are you on he said neither side i'm you know the messenger of the lord that should give us a little bit of pause for thought whenever we think that god can put is only on our side on an issue. You've got to be very careful. But with politics, if you suck with the devil, you've got to use a long spoon. Yeah, uh, there's no question that that's, that that's true. And I, I just, it, for me, going back to our previous podcast, the bringing of politics into the church, party politics and tribalizing in that way will inevitably end up with greater disunity. And, and we really do want to avoid that. If you want another podcast to listen to then try hope in crisis with tim costello tim talks to mates around the world who are confronting the covid crisis and other dilemmas from a christian perspective for example he's got john anderson former deputy prime minister christianity and politics he's got jaya kumar former director of world vision in india and john githongo a journalist in africa all of this really fascinating go to hopingcrisis at eternitypodcast.com third space is hosted by david robertson and steve mcalpine and produced by janelle muller editing by peter laverock third space is part of the eternity podcast network an audio collection showcasing the seriously good news of faith today Head to thirdspace.org.au where you'll find show notes and other stuff related to our episodes and click on to our Facebook page to join in the debate. Brought to you by the Eternity Podcast Network.